This is Erased. I'm Colette Bowers-Zinn. And this is Lisa Johnson. Two Black moms bonded by bluntness, tenacity, and an unwavering commitment to creating communities of support. Every Thursday, we're exploring where the intersections of education, race, and culture collide, dissecting interracial issues to help you navigate and thrive despite being marginalized. Welcome to Erased. We are back for another exciting and informative episode. How you doing, Colette? I'm great, Lisa. How are you? I'm living the dream. <laughs> so let's talk about it. So we have gotten some early feedback about you and your mug on our promo picture, okay. the Erased promo picture. Let's talk about that. Why you look so mean? Well, there's so many answers to that <laughs> question. <laughs> right? Um, the 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 straight up answer is that the picture that I gave the artist to use, I wasn't smiling in. Mm-hmm. And he took that interpretation a, a little step more. <laughs> right. And when I initially showed it to some friends and they were like, yo, what what's that about? <laughs> I'm afraid of you. <laughs> I was like... Actually dope. I'm a roll with it because that is my energy on a lot of these topics. Like I'm not smiling for you to mistreat me. So here we are. Unapologetically. Unapologetically. And I'm also done with these like two female podcasts where they're both like grinning. Happy. And happy, happy, (laughs) happy in the pictures. So I was like, we can keep it real a little bit. We can keep it real. We don't always have to be smiling. Right. And like, can we all agree that it is one of the most irritating things when men tell women, like, you should smile. Oh, my gosh. That's a right? whole other episode. <laughs> so that's kind of what was in my head is people were like, why you look like that? Right. Why? Well, I just so appreciate that it is certainly a topic of conversation. Of conversation. <laughs> you got to love it. Yes. Yes. Um, but I'm here to tell everyone she is not mean. Don't let the scowl fool you. (laughs) (laughs) May not be mean, but I'm real. I mean, you don't want to get on her bad side. (laughs) But anyway, um, today we have the pleasure of having some guests join us to talk about showing up and the importance of parent engagement. And, you know, why did you want to why did you want to talk about that this week? What was it about this topic that made you feel like we got to get into that? Well, it started with episode two and talking to Janine. And when she articulated what I definitely agree with, right, being that you don't want to be the person that always complains, show up and have a presence and establish a relationship. Yeah. Yes. Before um, anything, before needing to have to use that established relationship to have a difficult conversation. And just as. A parent of two kids, yeah. now almost 14 and 10. It I see it as my ultimate pleasure right. to be able to show up. I just feel like it's um, something has been lost over the years about the importance of that whole like triangle approach to supporting kids, right? It's, it's a partnership. The whole collaboration piece, especially now, especially because we are, you know, learning remotely and we don't have the opportunity to build that relationship in a more traditional way. I think it's even more important for parents to be engaged. But oftentimes the path to doing that is a little difficult. So we have two fabulous parents with us today. Indeed. Um, I'm going to introduce Miss Nakia Johnson. She's an entertainment journalist and published writer with over 19 years in the music, film, and television industry. She's a former talent manager and has helped guide the careers of, we'll have to find out who those people might be, some <laughs> legendary record artists, actors, 
and developed original television and film properties. Nakia is an active member with Right Girl, an organization that promotes self-expression and creativity to empower girls. But more interestingly for our conversation today, she is entering her third year as president of the parent group at Westside Neighborhood School and her first year on the school's board of trustees. Woo woo. Uh, Nikki and her husband um, have four children ranging in the ages of preschool to medical school. So she's wow. a busy superwoman. Gangster. <laughs> right. <laughs> And we also have. Yes, we yes. have Yatunde Daniels Rubenstein. Yatunde, welcome, welcome, is a passionate educational leader who empowers young people to recognize and celebrate their full selves by providing a safe space in which student voices are centered, heard, and respected. Yatunde is the Associate Director of College Counseling at Brentwood School here in Los Angeles. She has two daughters who attend Brentwood School. And as a mother of two fierce young women, Yatunde's resolve and focus are articulated by her work to impact systematic and permanent change. Excellent. Thank Welcome, you, ladies, ladies, so much for being here. I have to ask just really quickly to piggyback. What do you think about that promo picture? <laughs> Not to harp on it, but honesty. Like, what do you think? What was your first impression? I love an earnest appreciation oh. of personality. Excellent. Excellent. I really do. She's an excellent. Me too. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so, so let's really get started. You know, we like to kick things off and ask. Oh, you didn't ask Yutunde. Does sorry, she want to get sorry. in on I'm this sorry. picture dialogue yes, that is extended well beyond <laughs> its due? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. And I so resonated with the conversation that got started. So why is the mug? Because I feel like I get that question a lot. You should smile more. That yeah. is the worst. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. Look at you starting off with love Maybe it. I shouldn't be smiling. How about that? Yeah, what you got to smile about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. So, you know, name of the show is Erased. And we like to kick things off sometimes by asking you just about that notion. Um, when was the last time you felt erased? And or tell us about maybe something you learned to stay engaged despite a situation where you had to overcome an obstacle, but it made you feel erased. Nakia? I've had so many instances of feeling erased in the industry that I've worked in. I mean, I started off working as an editorial writer for an entertainment trade that was a bullpen of 80 older white men. Mm. And I was one of the young hires of color coming in to try to find my beat, coming in and competing for stories and obviously advocating for myself and having to really play a lot of political um, schematics mm -hmm. and strategies to make sure that I landed where I wanted to be. Um, in the independent school world, I think it really matters as to where you see representation of yourself on campus and in faculty and staff. Mm -hmm. Are you feeling erased as a parent and caretaker in decisions that are being made on behalf of curriculum? Are you seeing that happening in um, how children are relating to each other social and emotionally? Do teachers understand who your children are as children of color? I think there are so many instances that you can feel erased on a school campus as a parent that you have to show up for. Right. You've got to call out. Amen. I'm snapping my fingers. You tend to, you're you're unique because you are an employee of Brentwood School. Your kids go to Brentwood School and you also serve as the faculty liaison to the Black Family Association at Brentwood. So let's hear it. Yes, I love that question. 
I have felt erased for in so many instances that I now just insert my foot because I do think sometimes I'm hiding in plain sight, even when I'm in these spaces. Um, very often, people don't look to hear my back to hear my voice. And I've gotten used to that over the years, which is the reason you'll see me involved in so many things. Um, because being a fly on the wall and, and existing in the periphery is a space that I think a lot of folks of color exist in. Um, having our intelligence not be respected, acknowledged, even um, therefore not even in warrant. It, asked about in any way, shape or form. Um, so you'll see me showing up, asking questions, even in meetings, people literally forget that I am there. I am not a quiet person. I am not, I'm, I'm clearly, you can see me. Um, but very often it's, oh, oh, right. You're here. You're yes. Still here. I heard everything. I saw everything. I know I have questions about everything you just said, um, which is why I'm a really, I'm, I am a really strong advocate for people showing up for themselves and asking questions and demanding to have a seat at the table, to bring the table with them, to bring chairs, stand in the corner, listening in, <laughs> because if you don't show up and ask the questions for yourself, people will continue to ignore and erase you. Mm -hmm. The first instance that I, I can think of, the minute you said that question, I thought of sitting in a classroom as an eighth grader, first moving to the US and literally not being seen in the room, literally being ignored, even forgetting to announce my name on the attendance roll. So it's a thing in my life <laughs> and I've learned how to um, okay, acknowledge that that's how you see me and that's that's your prerogative. I don't see me that way. So I'll show up and remind you who I am. Y'all are dropping some gems. Um, but so you guys are the, you're the exemplary parents that are engaged, obviously. And we can learn a lot from you. But were you always engaged or how did you get started? For me, I, you know, I've got an older daughter who's 24. She went to public schools in L.A. and then to parochial for high school. Um, I was her bonus mom. I am her bonus mom. So I sat back and watched how the involvement looked from my perspective, um, from not only her biological mom and my husband, but just from a lot of the other parents of color. And I saw that there were there was engagement, but what lacked in my opinion, was direct involvement. Mm -hmm. um, and so coming into the independent school world with my younger children now, I was not that mom. The first thing I volunteered for was, I think, stacking books at a book fair when my kid was in kindergarten. But I started to notice that there was a difference between who were these parents that were coming in and volunteering and doing things like stacking books at a book fair versus parents who were sitting on the advisory committees to the board, mm -hmm. sitting in the development meetings with those who are making decisions on the money for the school, and ultimately decisions that affect who the faculty and staff are and all of that. So for me, I'm just the type of person that wants to know who's in the room, who's in the room making these decisions on our behalf, and I'm paying the bill. So I want to know who is making <laughs> these decisions on behalf and how informed are they? Yeah. And so for me, it's taken, I've been at WNS a number of years, but in the last four years, I really decided that I was going to be somebody in one of those rooms. <clears throat> and um, I, I made an appointment to talk with our director of development. I talked to someone who was a parent 
group president at the time and just asked about, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking for from parents? And that was my kind of entree. And what if, from both of you, what if you're not ready to be in the room or feeling equipped to be in the room? How do you, how do you advise people to show up? Or you can't because Mm -hmm. you work. Well, Mm -hmm. that was my first thought when we were talking about showing up to Mm -hmm. stack the books at the book fair, um, that not everyone has the capacity as a working parent to go stack those books. And you then went somewhere else with it, which was it's really about being in these decision making spaces that that becomes important. But I, I go back to my question of in between the stacking the books and being in the decision making corner how else do you advise parents to show up? I think um, in any way that you can, if, if if that means you are volunteering to bring snacks for your kid's sports game because you can't come during the week to a thing, great. If that means you are making costumes, you're showing up for an hour in the morning, school day starts for ice cream, it is incredibly important that you show up physically in any way you possibly can. Um, It is, you need to get an understanding of what the culture of the school is away from the classroom, away from the brochures, away from the marketing that the school is giving you. You need to understand, and you won't get that unless you infiltrate and show up and be a part of the community in a lot of different ways. Um, Another reason I think You've got to show up to show you're not just for your kids, but for many other kids who don't necessarily see themselves represented around the school, but they see if more and more parents and guardians show up as a matter of course, just for little and big things, you begin to demonstrate that we are essential members of this community from the big to the small. So from the boardroom to the stacking of the books in every way possible, we are a part of this community. Therefore, when you're making decisions, you must consider us because we are there all the time. Um, And I really do. I hope parents don't feel the pressure to only show up in a certain way. And I, I know that exists, but in any way possible, it is still important, even if you can just come and stay an extra half an hour when you drop your kids off or you're there for a sports meeting or you're there for a phonathon or something else that is outside of your work day that can allow you to be there. I love what you said about you said you made an appointment. Right. Because it's not just showing up on their terms. You're figuring out what's going to work for your schedule and you're going in and saying, this is who I am. This is what I'm interested in and what I care about. Let's talk. I think that's what sets a lot of us apart from others who are volunteering. And I think there's levels to it. I think no matter what, you go in with your passion and your authentic self as to what you care about and what it is that you want to show up for for your children. And so I think a major difference, and I try to tell people as much as possible when I'm talking to them about parent engagement and opportunities to volunteer is, I noticed a distinct difference in when I got onto certain advisor committees and board of trustees, I hadn't seen those people on campus ever. They're working. They're working all the time. They actually go to meetings and have opportunities to be on, you know, applications like base camp with the head of school and the people who are running the staff and faculty. They're not stacking the books. They don't have the time. But what they did do was they showed and expressed to the school what they can bring 
what their personal value is and started to be used in ways that the school relies on Mm -hmm. them. I think that's a huge point that a lot of people miss because people mistakenly believe that to be in good standing at a private school, it's about money and how much you can donate. Mm -hmm. And having been an administrator in private schools for 15 years, it is, yes, money is necessary to run these schools. It is equally as important to have presence. And I can't tell you how many important conversations we've had where we said, well, ask so-and-so to participate because he or she shows Mm -hmm. up they're invested, they're a member in good standing in this community, and we'd love to have them come and partner with us on this activity. It's hugely important to, as Yatunde said, show up where and how you can, but also to make your value known by your actions and contributions, especially if you don't have a checkbook or deep pockets to make it known in a monetary fashion. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the 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 structure for parent engagement as it typically exists? How do you work and fit into the culture and the, you know, the organization itself? At WNS, they they value parent engagement a lot. They boast on community. Community is one of their pillars. And so parent group is a big, open, wide, uh, basically assembly of all. Any parent that is a parent at WNS is a part of the parent group. What they have is the parent group board which then is, you know, an assembly of maybe 25 to 30 parents who are doing some programming for Mm -hmm. for the parents in the caretaker community. So that is all under the helm of our uh, director of development, who kind of just oversees and makes sure that there's, you know, good board hygiene and that sort of thing with the parent group board. Mm -hmm. There are also, instead of using the word uh, room parents, there are grade level advisors. So... You can become involved on any level at WNS, but your sort of entree to getting, <laughs> you know, to the parent group board is to become a grade level ambassador mm-hmm. where you're basically a room parent. And then you can sit on the board and help with the programming of that. And you just become more seen by faculty and staff who say, oh, she's an anesthesiologist. We have questions on our medical advisory committee about opening schools back up. Let's ask her to sit on the advisory committee, that sort of thing. Um, But it's really, what I love is I love that we do get a lot of interest for parents who want to volunteer and want to engage. There is a structure. Parents um, and caretakers are usually kind of vetted by faculty and staff once you get to the point of needing, being asked to be on the board. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're basically just being a good representative of the community. You don't have to be a yes man or a yes woman, but you are someone that is representing the school. Yutende, what are the formal slash informal structures at, at Brentwood? Um, I'm pretty much actually mimicking what Nikki has already shared in terms of the um, Brentwood School Parent Association, which is the larger um, association that every family is a part of, a member of, but then there's an executive board within that. Um, and it functions uh, over all three divisions. There are division leads for each um, each member. There are a number of roles that fall within that larger executive board group. But outside of that, there are also uh, parent affinity spaces. There are student affinity groups, but there are also parent affinity groups. And the Black Family Association is one of them. Um, and this allows for families who who self-identify to have a shared space to come together to um, 
builds community, to be supported, to support each other, to just have a shared space and shared um, shared activities. We host a number of things over throughout the year, including information, educational spaces. Um, so it really, really varies. Who oversees affinity groups at your school? And are they integrated with your larger parent association? Yes, absolutely. So the it, it it feels a little like yes, there is this larger parent parent association, but then within that there are affinity spaces. Um, so yes, the who overseeing the affinity spaces, however, would be a combination of our DE, uh, DEI um, office as well as the parent association. So we kind of have a foot in each. We actually are rolling out affinity spaces, affinity groups for our parents and caretakers this year. Okay. Our middle school kids have had them already. Yeah. Uh, we have a new director of DEI who's going to be rolling them out. We've always had a village, always. Mm -hmm. We had a director of admissions, a black woman, for many, many years. And there was always a village. There was always a support group. Um, but yeah, we are officially rolling that out this year. And it, will it be integrated with the larger? It will, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's an area of opportunity for a lot of the schools is to make sure that Absolutely. that integration is, is better. And also the succession planning for these groups, mm -hmm. I think is so key, especially for our, spin our affinity groups within the larger parent body. I think that just is something that falls to the wayside. But so, so your golden rule, you guys are the exemplary parent engagement models, if you will, um, what's kind of like something you want, you want to make sure parents know about being engaged and, uh, and why that's important. For me, being engaged is a part of the package. When you, when you sign the contract to say, I'm sending my child to be a member of this community, you come with that. Um, you, it is a, your tuition that you paid is a part of the pack. It means you can be involved. You should be involved. Um, you should understand what you what your child faces every day in the classroom, who they're interacting with, who are the stakeholders. You really do need to be uh, an active. You actively seek that out. I, I, I think it's a part of the package. Um, and again, for me, it's in whatever way makes sense. I love, love, love what Nikia mentioned about you know, making the appointment to let everybody know this is what I bring to the table. I think every parent should do that, period. But even so for, I think, parents of color who sometimes, at least in my experience, sometimes don't feel um, they have as much strength and agency as others. So to me, it means... Parenting games they come from the deficit model. The I'm mm -hmm. lucky to be here, yeah. and I'm right. I'm definitely a huge champion of flipping that on its head yes. to the I am the gift. Our family is the gift. Our child is the gift, and then yes. therefore finding the agency for to ask for what you want, ask for what you need. But that's why I love exactly. what she just said because I think if we can somehow level set the mindset on entry mm -hmm. that this is part of the package. I think right. that would because you're so right. What happens is we get there and we're just like, oh, I don't want to be the problem parent. I don't want to be. I just want to fit in, and my child's happy, and blah 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 blah. And you just fall to the back. And it's parents that are in the these. Parents. What'd you say? I'm saying they they miss the chance to get what the what their child needs. Absolutely. If you if you disengage or you you come from the deficit model, quite frankly, um, I do feel like you there are missed opportunities because you don't even know who you should talk to. You haven't built the trust to ask for what you need. Um, 
therefore you you somehow validate for yourself that you're there's no problem you you are a part of the package yes. act for what you need at all times and that is a part of of your rights having yeah. been a chair of the affinity group at my youngest child school, I think it's a missed opportunity and we need to restructure affinity group like the first meeting. We always have the beginning of the year welcome type party Mm -hmm. to the new members of the affinity space. Mm -hmm. And I think we're missing an opportunity to have that honest conversation. Here's the org structure. Yeah, Yeah, here's the org structure of of the school. Here's where you go to for for what mm-hmm. and you are the gift right. and from day one ask yeah. for what you need mm-hmm. and hear the people of your peer group that you can go to to get the right words to get yep. advice all of that we're so busy celebrating that we need to plan right right we, we probably also, reinforce the notion of you should be happy to be here right Absolutely. <laughs> and i think we also need to remember we chose the independent school model for a reason right it yes. is ours to help construct yes. yeah and if my children are there, I'm there to shape. Yeah. I'm there to shape what I think is best for my children. That meekness that you come in with saying, I don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky we got in. Let's just follow the rules. You can be a great model as a parent or a caretaker of that school and still demand all that you need and want to see. And Absolutely. you best believe that what you're not demanding, somebody else Someone is. Someone else is doing so it. So you might as it, well get yours. It may be complete adverse to what you want yes. for your child. Correct. And they are doing right. it. And they're coming in ablazoned and bolden. They're making those meetings mm-hmm. and they're saying, for the annual fund, we're, go- we're only going to give you this. But we also want you to do this for us. And we don't do that. We don't sit down with the head of school or the directors of development and say, we're going to give you this this year for annual fund or for whatever, Mm -hmm. for the campaign that you're, you know, soliciting funds for. But we also need to know, what are you doing into this? We don't do that enough. And we really should. And the schools actually want it. They want it. Right. If they're if there are really, you know, a great school and they are, they want they need the input. They need the help. But I'm also saying establish the relationship so that when you go in and have the conversation is not about, it's not tied to money and you're not shaking Uh, down. I agree. Like just establish the relationship so that when you come through the door, they're happy to see you and actually want to hear what you say and actually want to meet your needs. I think it's, the assuming the good the good intent is really important Um, because you, as Nakia said, we chose it. Right. This was an option. We chose it. We are fully aware and we want to get the best out of it, but we are also responsible for asking for what we need. Um, but assuming the good intent and building the relationship is really important. So even if the there isn't good intent, great, build a relationship to remind them why the good intent should be there. Excellent. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the golden rule is to show up <laughs> from day one. <laughs> Yes. And to be your authentic self and use your voice. Yeah. Yes. I love what you mentioned, Colette, about coming in and understanding who is who and what do you do. Correct. They're so, you know, I think we you naturally spend years, years trying to figure that out. And and it's something that once you figure it out, it's so much easier to maneuver. Yeah. It's so much easier. I mean, our school, we, as you know, we passed a board of, we had the, the board of trustees pass a board of resolution surrounding Black Lives Matters and allocating funds to that this year. That was mainly because the women who were advocating for that had been doing it for a while and knew exactly who to talk to to get that done. And I think that is so vital when you walk in. Who does what around here? 
So you can't throw that out there with elaborating without elaborating. <laughs> just need a bit more on that. What is that? And you know, Black Lives the, Matters. Yes. So our school has, you know, like many other independent schools, we have been trying to lean in and do the DEI work for some time now. And our head of school has really turned around in probably the last 10 years as to what leaning in really looks like. Um, like I said, our director of admissions for many, many years was really on the front lines of getting the faculty and staff turned around to get trained to have their biases, their implicit biases made aware. I mean, I think they, she worked really hard to get the school behind, this is what we're doing, mm -hmm. and this is not going to be what we do, but this is going to be who we are. Second to that, needed to come funding. Mm -hmm. And she recently became uh, a trustee and decided that she was going to start a campaign and bring along some folks of color with her. She started an advisory committee, had training, some really amazing education going on in terms of what you could implement for a an ECC through eighth grade school model mm -hmm. with DEI. And I happened to be on that advisory committee and we just drew up an amazing plan about how we get the school to allocate funds and declare WNS's stance on why Black Lives Matters and why this is the time to say that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, this summer, it was right on time. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I couldn't have been more proud to be a part of it. I can honestly say that I think years of labor and really due diligence brought about an awakening in the last year of getting a school and a board of trustees on board to say everyone is leaning in, parents, mm -hmm. children, faculty, staff, from and they they did they recorded a board of resolutions um, video to put on the website to show these wow. are the faces we are the board of trustees mm -hmm. and we may be people of color and we may be you know your your regular old white guy mm -hmm. we all are saying mm -hmm. we're claiming the same thing together together wow. putting wow. Wow. allocating this number of money this year for this and our goal is to do this like you said complete goals. Um, in terms of like a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. So it was really powerful. When I came in, I was just a young mom who really sought the advice of some of the older Black mothers who at that point in time were calling faculty and staff onto the carpet. Why was my child singled out when they were on the yard yelling? You know, and so by doing that gradually and gradually, their just progress was made. Yeah. And it, I, I give a lot of credit to our head of school. Yatunde, let's talk state of affairs. <laughs> without shaming any <laughs> nice schools. Segue. Right. Without <laughs> shaming any schools, tell us what you think about the current state of affairs at our schools. Are you frustrated? You hopeful? What would make your school experience better? And do you think it's realistic given the independent schools history and culture? That's a great question. <laughs> um, honestly, I have to be hopeful. I feel that if my kids will continue to be educated in this system, I have to be hopeful. I have to be um, willing to bring others along. I have to be willing to believe that change is possible. And quite frankly, I'm seeing there there is a lot of change that's happening. So I'm going to lean into the, I am 60% hopeful um, <laughs> at this stage. We'll take a majority. <laughs> but we, I think we have to be there. We have to be there. And I think the, after 
everything we have seen happen in the past six to eight, six to eight months, um, schools cannot turn back. They do not have a choice. And as we are unfortunately beginning the school year with yet another atrocious um, violent act against a black person, schools cannot look away. And our young, our young folks are reminding the old folks, you cannot look away. Mm-hmm. You cannot educate me in the same way you thought you could before. I am demanding b- better. I am demanding different. So that's why I'm, I'm starting the school year with a 60% hopeful meter. But I think the more I interact with my students and my own kids too, I think my meter is going to take up a little bit more regardless of the history of the independent school system because we are at a different time. We are no longer in a moment. We are in a movement and we have moved. Uh, so I'm going to stay in that hopeful place. That was sound bite. That was I great. It. I love it. <laughs> Tagline. <laughs> oh, what about you, Nikia? I, I, I'm also hopeful. Yeah. I am. I mean, I do think that schools are now faced with the opportunity to look incredible or look really awful as to how they respond. And I think that the response has got to be vetted by parents like us. Mm -hmm. I think if there's no better time to show up, it is right now. And if you have invested in any sort of relationship with your school, they're asking you. They're calling on you. And even they if they're not, you, even if they're not, if they're <laughs> they smart, need you even yeah, more, <laughs> if, even if they're not. But if they are smart, they are asking you, oh, please, what yeah. do we do? What are we doing? Yeah. What are we not doing? This is the time to really show up. And um, I think because of the magnitude of the moment, I think change has to be made. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of surface uh, aid that has gone on in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think in this in this case, I think you, they've got to make sure that they're going to be doing the work. Yeah. Of course, I love the thought and uh, I'm also striving to be hopeful. I got to tell you, though, the past just 48 hours alone, mm-hmm. I have to, it is hard. You just, notice I got silent. I, <laughs> see, this is why we vibe. <laughs> I feel what you don't say. <laughs> but yes, it's been hard. And so I guess my my question is, what advice do you have? For parents who and students and school communities whose morale is just at an all time. Let me guess. Keep showing up. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I am the in the be present gratitude focus daily practice, because if you looked out, I feel like in April, I, I was stuck. I was so frustrated. I was so tired and I have evolved over the past couple of months. And I'm like, our liberation, our joy, our presence and ability and resilience and ability to show up every day will come from just recognizing that we are here. This is my own personal view. We are here. We are here. We are here. All is well. All is well in the absolute present. Um, and we're so not that, going anywhere, right? We are not going anywhere. Like I think to show up for my kids, to show up for my students, to show up, hopefully I have to like physically connect to the fact that I am still here. I am still here. I am still here. I can laugh. I, love I can dance. I can see the sunshine. It may go south really quickly, but at <laughs> least in this very moment, 
<laughs> I am here. I am here. And I can't, I gotta be here for all of those around me who aren't able to feel uplifted in the moment so that when I tilt and I may go down, the next person's going to come in and do the same. Like we, we just have to be there for ourselves and for each other. I love that. How I'm no, feeling I love you mentioned that earlier. You mentioned something about showing up for yourself, right? And I do think for me, I want to hear from you next, Nakia. But for me, part of it also was about the fact that it is tough and not like running away from that. I, I have two or three mm-hmm. girlfriends where I'm just, we pick up the phone and we just vent, <laughs> get it out and then keep it moving. What about you, Nakia? I agree with everything that you ladies have said. I over the summer we've done several things our WNS community. Um, we although we don't have an official Black affinity group for parents and caretakers, we had a call, mm-hmm. and we had a call right when everyone was hitting that point, and just expressed our frustration, mm-hmm. our sadness, our anger, even our hostility, where there were no apologies necessary. We let it out. Mm-hmm. And then our DEI director had a ser- and continues to have a series of DEI calls, maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. And what I do, what I think is important, what I think is important for parents like us who are holding everything together, including mm-hmm. our mental stability right now, is I've been honest. I've been 100 percent honest with how I am feeling at that moment in time. And I have called mm-hmm. out other parents and I have said, you benefit from the diversity of my child being in your home, being around in your lives. What are you doing to show up for me right now? Because I'm too tired. Mm. What are you doing? Yeah. Are you talking to those family members who don't see the value in my life, who don't see the value in my son's lives? Are you making those courageous conversations happen? Or are we just here are teaching you? Are you talking you? to your children? You ta- I love Even up- that, though. And I know. And for a long time, our children... They're hearing what they need to hear if you've got the right sort of structure going on at school and and people are telling them what they need to hear about DEI. But a lot of times parents will send their children to school to be educated in this realm and they have no intentions on doing so themselves. They want their children around diversity, but their lives don't reflect the same. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments, I feel as though if if we are a community, if you are enjoying being a part of a community that touts itself as 50, 56% kids of color, which is what WNS is, is right now. Oh my gosh. You need to own it. You need to own that. And right now I'm too tired to engage. Mm. So I'm leaning on you, an ally, to engage for me. And I've just had to be honest in that realm. Yeah. I love, love that. that. I love that. All right. I'm getting the, the clock signal. Okay. Oh. Parting words of advice for school communities, for administrators. How can they, because I feel like they fall into the trap of recruiting the same old parents to do everything. And that's taxing on multiple parts. How do you, what recommendations and advice do you have for schools to better engage parents? Um, Hear everyone. Hear everyone. If you look around the room and you notice the same faces are there, then you know you did the wrong thing. Ask again. Look around. Find somebody different. Um, Remember that All the parents who signed the contract are a member of your community. Therefore, they all deserve to be heard. They all deserve the same agency and equity, period. I agree. I wanted the attendee to answer that first, being a faculty member. (laughs) For me, I, I see a lot of the same people. And that tells me that our staff and faculty are not paying attention to 
who their community really is. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is you just rest on and you rely on the people that you know will come through. Always done it. And and I think that's just very natural. Mm -hmm. But I think as schools evolve, and I think every admission cycle, the admissions folks should be sitting with every director of whatever the the faculty and staff um, departments are. Mm -hmm. I think they should be saying, these folks come from here. They've got a background on this. I think they should be getting intel on who everyone is mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, while people will decide how involved they want to be, I think that faculty and staff should be reaching out yeah. to a lot of these families too. And that schools should be considering the factors Absolutely. in people's lives that don't yes. allow the yeah. time and space to show up and then creating opportunities, opportunities. based on those factors so that Absolutely. people can show up in the yep. time and space that they do have. Absolutely. Right. So being much more intentional. Because they'll find out who their donors are, who are their uh, big donors they immediately. They do that before they apply. So, right. <laughs> so, so that kind of intel is being shared. But who are these, you know, who's great at marketing? Who's, yeah. who's, who's a great entrepreneur that's coming in? I mean, I think these are things that they need to be aware of and tap for future use. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Make sure you get here next Thursday because we have a major announcement to make. And you don't want to miss it. You don't want to give us a hint? You can get that hint next (laughs) (laughs) When you tune in. Tune in. Remember to tune in and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Please. We are a new podcast. That is very important when you are a new podcast. So please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check us out at Erased with a C podcast.com or on IG or Facebook also at Erased Podcast. And thank you for joining us. Helping to create a world where we will no longer feel erased. Thank you. Thank you.